Welcome to Plateau Partners Pulse, a podcast about business networking and ideas. I am joined today by Maria Elena Lara. I like calling you Dr. Mel. (laughs) I love that acronym. It's like, do you have a preference? Whether you're Dr. Mel's great. I have a long name and it's very Maria Elena Lara. So it's Dr. Mel is great. Well, and it's it's a super pretty name. It works. I think. Um, but there's just something about, I don't know, I'm, I've I understand. always wanted that like nickname thing. So did I, because everyone would call me Maria, which is fine, but that's not my name. And no one would go through the Maria Elena thing because it's a lot of syllables. So I'd be Maria. And I was that for years until I got to college. And I, I don't know if I came up with it or one of, my, one of my roommates did, but yeah, so then I was Mel. So that was so much easier. Well, and you could have gone by me, but then that would have made it all about you. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's maybe one of the reasons that you got into what you do, which is? <laughs> I'm a clinical psychologist. Okay. So tell me about your business. Well, I've been doing this for over 20 years, which is horrifying to believe, but it's true. Over 20 years, I see um, adolescents and adults. And or adults I'm, that act like adolescents. Oh, those too. Lots of those. <laughs> Lots of those. Let's see. I'm in Issaquah. And um, I I think I have one of the best jobs in the whole world. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like when you're on this side of the table, quite literally, what you do sounds daunting. Yeah. And um, so it's clearly the right line of work for you if yeah. you feel that way. Yeah. I didn't think it would be because I thought I, I would be too close to it all the time and would take it all home with me and whatever. And in fact, slight backstory, my original intent was to be a professor. So I was going to be teaching all these people. And I loved that, but that didn't quite work out for me in this area of the United States. So I went to the clinical stuff and it's been, I, I am so glad I'm not in academia. I have friends in academia and it's just a crap show. So I'm much happier doing what I'm doing. Well, and there are no coincidences. So the fact that it didn't work out out here means that you weren't meant to do it. Exactly. So, exactly. You know, I'm yeah. a big believer in that. How long have you been with BNI? I want to say eight years. It's at least eight years. It might be more. So we'll go with eight. <laughs> That's okay. a good number. Uh, and you've been a past president. I have. I know. Yes. I remember when I was first starting to work with Bruce, and I remember being super intimidated by you. What? Yes. Get out of here. Are you kidding? Like, I'm, I'm yeah, totally serious. You seemed like so official and oh, like funny. had all of your stuff together. And I was always like, oh. oh, you're so funny. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's, um, and we'll get into this a little bit and a couple questions, but it's that whole getting to know people. Right, right. And, and, and that's acting also, by the way. Well, <laughs> yes, I have learned that. <laughs> Although I am not as good about not letting my slip show. I am mm-hmm. like the person that shows up. Like, I'm like, hey, everybody. <laughs> exactly. So my facade is like slightly askew. <laughs> so what do you think that after eight years you have come to appreciate most about BNI? There are many things. I would say like when I'm pitching BNI to like someone who wants to join or whatever, or just trying to explain why I have been doing this for as long as I have, I really like being in a group of like-minded professionals who are interested in growing their businesses, learning more about business, um, and also 
frankly, being in a room with so many powerful women, I never had exposure to that growing up. And I really had no exposure to the business world, really. I was going to be an academic. And of course, they also didn't teach me in graduate school how to run a business. I'm still figuring that out. Mm -hmm. So being there and being forced, forced in quotes, forced to look at my business, forced to think about my ideal client, forced to, you know, think about, you know, what resources I need to grow my business, you know, like an accountant or a a lawyer or whatever. That's been extremely helpful for me. And also being, like I said, inspired by the people around me. So that's, I would say those things has been really, really helpful for me again, because I didn't know, I still don't know. (laughs) I've been doing this for a long time and I still don't know how to run a business. I I mean, a whole lot better than I did. Sure. But you know, we can all get lazy and making myself think about it every day for an hour or so, every day, listen to me, every week. And then during the week, thinking about, okay, who can I refer to? And da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, sort of side note, the other value has been, you know, all of these professionals who are so good at what they do. I can give referrals to people that I see in my practice. I do it daily, pretty much. And it makes me look like a rock star because I refer these awesome people and they go, oh my God, she's the best naturopath. Oh my God. You know, and I look like I am the greatest thing in the world. So, you know, it makes me look good. It makes me work better. It makes me think about my business, you know. And that's a long answer to your simple question, but yeah. No, it's, they're all really good points. What about our chapter in particular? I like the energy I like that we can have fun, but still be serious and learn from each other. I like that it feels like there's a lot of support in the chapter for each other. And I'm not just, you know, friendly, you know, we love each other's support, but, you know, I want to refer my business to you. I want to refer your business to her. You know, I want you to grow. And how helpful that is to have that already established, you know, when the economy goes down or whatever, you you know you have a whole bunch of people who are kind of looking out for you. Mm-hmm. And, and likewise, you know, you can feel good about looking out for them. So exactly. So I agree with what you're saying about that energy that is in Plateau Partners. It's one of the reasons that we named the podcast Plateau Partners Pulse, because it's a chapter that has a lot of heart and it has a palpable energy to it. I like that. I like that. So I'm, so I totally agree. So smart. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) just making connections. (laughs) So the words like, know, and trust are the words that are frequently bandied about in B&I. What are three words that you would use to describe you? Well, I would say trust for sure, because, well, you have to, I mean, if you're a clinical psychologist and they don't trust you, you're not a very good clinical psychologist because they have to be able to trust you to tell you all their crap. So, and, you know, confidentiality is the absolute, you know, primo most important rule. So that one, I would, I would hope, I would hope that my clients trust me. I would say maybe another one would be real. And I, I, I was trying to think of a word that described this better than that, but I, I try in my practice to be very real. Like you get me, you know, I mean, yes, if I've, if I've got a headache, I'm going to pretend that I don't, or if I've, you know, just had a fight with my husband, I'm not going to let you know that, but I'm going to be very much present and in the moment and real with you. Mm -hmm. And if there's something that you say that kind of that, that I wonder about, or if I say, how do I even put this? Like you're 
maybe not being honest with yourself or mm-hmm. you're missing something or whatever, I'm going to call you out. <laughs> well, I mean, you're being an, like an accountability partner in right. that. Right, right, you right, know, right. And I think that you are not going to pussyfoot around it and, no. and say that. And, you know, that's why you're good at what you do. Possibly. Well, but I, I will say, I guess the comparison I'm thinking of is a lot of clinicians will kind of just sit there and listen Oh, I hate and that. I know, I do too. I get a lot of people in who are like, oh, thank God you're actually talking to me. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah. So, so I will be very interactive with the person and, you know, and I, I will tell them how I feel about things and how I think about things. Not to the point where I'm, because I will tell anybody, I'm not trying to influence you. This is just, you know, a perspective mm-hmm. to offer, blah, blah, blah. Because there is a whole train of thought that says, a school of thought that says that if you give them any ideas, you are projecting your own crap onto them. Mm-hmm. And so that's not good clinical practice. You can't do that. But I, you know, I, I tell it like it is. And I'm from New York originally, so I think that has a lot to do with it. Ooh, shout out New York. That's right. Born and bred on Long Island. <laughs> Long Island, Long that is. Island. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, and I appreciate that. I mean, I I only semi-joke about the amount of money that I have spent on therapy over the years could have put one of our four children through private college. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have experienced all kinds of therapeutic sure. modalities, including envision your mother. And all I could see is my mother walking around in her underwear and bra dusting, <laughs> trying to avoid me. And I'm like... Why do I need to go back and see that? It was traumatizing the first time. <laughs> yes. So, yes. yeah. So, that's a thing. Um, okay. Well, once again, I've made it about me. <laughs> Tell me something that, you know, obviously when clients are working with you, it's about them. So, what's something, though, about you that might be interesting or a point of connection? Hmm. Like, I know you're a massive Star Wars nerd. I can't. <laughs> In fact, uh-huh. in my uh-huh. in my suggestions of, you know, like, what are some of the things that you could share? I was like, well, maybe the fact that you're a Star Wars nerd. And I was like, no. That would be me. Well, and there are a lot of people that are big Star Wars yes. fans. Yes. I mean, yes. did it start for you, like, right from the beginning? No, no. I was, really? I like, I was, I was only seven and I liked it. A lot, and then I saw. And then I saw the second one when I was ten, and I got a really bad seat in the theater, and so I didn't like it that much. But it was—I don't know what it was at thirteen when Return of the Jedi came out. It just all clicked for me, and it was like, oh my god, it's changed my life. So, but yeah, we're clearly the same age. Yeah, so we are. Yeah, yeah. I just turned fifty. Also, okay, yeah. Oh, great, thanks for outing Which is, me. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> so mm. much for confidentiality. I will say, right? You 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 outed yourself, my yeah, dear. I did. I totally did. And. Yeah, what's really funny too is, and this is not about Star Wars at all, that a lot of the kids that I work with, so I work with, you know, 12 to 18, and then you're not technically a kid, but we all know you're still a kid when you're 18. They don't know how old I am. They can't tell. And I love that. So they, you know, I'll sometimes, there's some reference to age will come up and I'll be like, just just for kicks, how old do you think I am? I promise I, my feelings will not be hurt because no one would guess I'm I'm 50, over 50. I mean, I can't imagine unless they were like, you know, actually not even. Like a 10-year-old would say 25 because anything right. over 12 is old, like, you know. So ancient. yeah, so I usually get early 40s, late 30s. I don't get late 30s that much anymore, to be fair. But late, I love early wow. 40s. I'm like, thank you. I, I'm not 42. 
I'm much older than that. Oh my gosh. It's so fun. Also though, to be fair, just like the 10 year old, the 15, 16 year old really doesn't know what 50 looks like. I didn't know that 50 looked like this. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, it's, it's just what it is. Yeah. It's 50. That's true. Interesting. Hmm. Got to think about that. I'm trying to think of, <laughs> I'm, I'm envisioning my mother yeah. in her bra and underwear, right. ignoring me. <laughs> but she probably was younger than 50. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. She was frosting the tips of her hair. There you go. It was the time of frosting. Indeed. Anyway. So share with me what you would say is your most frequently asked question. Um, do you take insurance? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. And yes, I do. Okay. Only a few though. I've been able to eliminate a couple. So, um, so yeah, so I do take insurance. Good to know. Okay. Yes. And <laughs> I know that you're going to be good for answering this one because a whole bunch of people that I have already interviewed apparently don't curse. <laughs> Right. Uh, and I know that's not going to be an issue with you. No. So let it rip. What's your favorite curse word? Yes. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk more with Dr. Mel. Be a dog's best friend. Thursday, September 10th through Thursday, September 17th, Northwest Canine Coalition is hosting their Bark at the Moon Virtual Week of Giving. At the heart of the week is their virtual cocktail hour on Saturday, September 12th, starting at 6 p.m. To learn more about the work they do, go to nwk9coalition.org. Check out the great auction times, learn how to volunteer, donate, and about sponsorships. Dog ear this date on your calendar to help adorable dogs find their favorite homes. Go to nwk9coalition.org. Welcome back to Plateau Partners Pulse, a podcast about our Plateau Partners members. And I'm sitting here with Dr. Maria Elena. And she is fabulous. She can't out me, but I can out myself. I have, I know she's always like, seriously, you don't have to talk about it. But I have worked with you. I have referred people to you. And you talked about the different modalities and the different ways that you can work with people. And circling back on that, it drives me crazy when, you know, you're trying to have a conversation because a lot of times it's saying out loud the things that you wouldn't dare say out loud normally. All of the ugly thoughts or the insecurities or, you know, the, the things that you feel. And so you put them out into the air and there's nothing worse than not having a response. <laughs> it's like, yep, I just unloaded something uh -huh. and it's like deafening silence. <laughs> yep. And that's hard. So yeah. I know that, you know, when I've worked with you, I very much appreciate the fact that, you know, at least you'll punctuate the conversation <laughs> and, you know, and you do offer different perspectives and have you thought about this or what about that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say that, I don't know if you can tell this or not, you know, but I, I like to talk. I'm a talker and my job is about listening, right? So I have had to cultivate a sense of just shut up. <laughs> and not always. I mean, sometimes, yes, the punctuation, the moving it along, I've got lots of good, you know, stereotypical, tell me more about that. How you does know? that make you feel? Oh God, I hate that so much. <laughs> but, and I'll, but I'll say that sometimes I'm like, I'm going to say something 
and please understand, I mean this in an actually serious way. How does that make you feel? (laughs) I'm not trying to be funny here. (laughs) But anyway, but there are times when, and it's, I think it's just years of experience to know now is not the time to talk. Mm-hmm. that this person, as horrible and painful as it is for both of us, because I hate sitting there being silent because I'm a talker and I want to make it better because yeah. the person doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And so, but they ha- ugh, they have to sit in it just for, and it feels like an eternity, but it's usually only like three seconds of silence and right. it just feels horrible. But almost 99 times out of 100, if I do that, they come up with something that I would not have thought to trigger for them. So... I have learned, and I'm still, I'm going to be learning this my whole life, working on this. And with people in my real life too, by the way, just shut up and listen. Just be quiet. You don't have to make them feel better right this second. You can do that in a minute. Just Mm -hmm. let them sit with that for a minute. They're here to unfortunately feel pain. You know, and right. and I I say this a lot in my in my practice that uh, psychologists therapists are basically sadists. We're there. It's true. We are there to help you feel pain, and I love it when you feel pain. There's the sadistic part because it means that you're going to grow out of that, mm-hmm. right? If you just let them slide by, then you know they're not getting anything out of it, and why the hell are they there? So it's a it's a weird profession, I tell you. <laughs> It, it is. It's, it's fascinating. I have an expression. I call them Stacyisms, and I am known to say, um, "You can go to the pity party, but you can only stay for one drink." Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, I just feel like when you're going through something, you need to lean into it. You Absolutely. need to feel it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I deal with anxiety and depression, and I know when I'm cycling through something, yep. and I need to feel it yep. because it's it's something that I'm experiencing. Yep. But then I know when I'm metaphorically, anyway, closing down the bar that, okay, I can't do it alone anymore. I need to call in the troops and I need to talk with you. I need to tweak my medicines, whatever it is. Whatever it is. And, um, but you do, you need to feel the pain. Yep. Yep. And I will tell people too, when they're, you know, getting, they're depressed or something bad happened, like maybe even uh, I get a lot of people get break, break up with their boyfriend, girlfriend, or they lose a job or, you know, something, some big disappointment happens. And it's like, you know what? You need to cry and you need to cry some more and then you need to cry some more. And then when you think you're done crying, you need to probably go cry some more. And that's okay. Please do that because for all kinds of biological, you know, reasons, it's important to do that. Also, if you want to feel sorry for yourself and have your pity party, whatever, please do. But make sure that it only lasts this amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and by that I mean an hour or two, maybe a day. And then you got to say, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. Because when, because sometimes you can't get out of it. Yes. And that means, that means you need the troops. That means you need the therapist or the medicine or whatever. Most people, if it's a, an event that happened or whatever, they can usually, I mean, unless it's the death of a loved one or something very, very serious like that, you know, you, you can, if you soak in your misery, you're so grossed out by yourself and disgusted with yourself or being in such a bad mood all day. They're like, ah, pff, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you can come out of it. But it authenticates the feeling. It authenticates your your thoughts about it, which are, you know, may or may not be rational, but still, you know, you can sit in it. And that's right. important. And that's important. It's like emotional hygiene. Like when you yep. start to smell yourself and it stinks, <laughs> <laughs> you need to deal with it, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm half Irish and half Puerto Rican. So I'm very familiar with that. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Now we both mentioned a couple times in passing and just um, to reiterate for 
the folks at home. <laughs> You're a clinical psychologist, which means that you do not prescribe medicine. Correct. Okay. I I always think it's worth noting for that people. Is a, that is a large misconception about what I can do. I literally can't do that. It's not in my licensure. I have to have an MD, M is in Michael, D. And I have a PhD, which is a totally different thing. There you go. I always think that that's important. So one of the things that fascinates me about what you do and about the study of psychology in general is, you know, how unique the human experience is. So I was speaking with a friend earlier and we were talking about, you know, things that have gone on in our life. And, you know, for me, for instance, um, I experienced multiple miscarriages and my mom had had multiple miscarriages. And so in a way, in my mind, it was a matter of course. And while, you know, certainly devastating, it was not like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, But for other people, it's holy shit. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's such an interesting thing to see how the human psyche works and, you know, the things that can prepare you and the things that, you know, how you cope and Mm -hmm. what's making you feel that way or Mm -hmm. what came before that makes you feel that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I talk about with a lot of my clients, just to back up a minute, the main um, modality of therapy that I use is called cognitive behavioral therapy, which basically at its at its root just looks at your thoughts and how your thoughts are what cause your emotions. And usually, you know, if you're having negative emotions, you're having negative thoughts. So that, at its simplest, that's what it is. So I like to talk about what I call uh, the gremlin, which is kind of a, if you, if you think back to just what a gremlin is in American, you know, mythology, whatever we call that, it's the little creature that gets into the planes in World War I that would like mess things up mm-hmm. and really had a great time making trouble for people, kind of like leprechauns in Ireland yep, sure. or, you know, elves or, you know, just the troublemaking, you know, little guy that is in all mythology everywhere, right? So we have gremlins. And so all of us, and this is how I talk about it with my clients, have a little voice inside our head that I call a gremlin that starts developing when we're very, very young. And it comes from, you know, just feeling feeling unloved or, you know, you're four and you didn't get your ice cream, your mom's so mean, you know, whatever. Or you're six and you didn't get in the class with your friend or your friend's playing with your other friend and not playing with you. And so the gremlin starts very young and gets added to an attitude from all these other negative, quote unquote, experiences in your life. And it lives in there. And I, again, I'm personifying and objectifying it because it's much easier to deal with a gremlin in your head than the thoughts in your head. Sure, so there's just sure. a little, this little nasty creature who lives inside your head, who lives to give you, to, to make trouble for you mm-hmm. and gets bigger and louder and stronger and meaner every time you listen to him. So, <laughs> so that gremlin, as you were saying, comes from all of these experiences and things like that. And what I try to do is teach people to listen for that voice because that voice is what's making you feel like shit. And that's, and you have to fight that shit. (laughs) You have to fight your gremlin and say, that's not true. You know, you're a fat slob. Well, not really. I mean, I am a little overweight, but I'm not a fat slob. That's a little much, don't you think? Like having a conversation back and forth with that, with that guy. Right. Right. Well, and one thing that I learned a couple of years ago is a lot of people pick a word of the year. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, something that they're going to think about. And I, a couple of years ago, decided I needed to do some work on messaging that had been given to me and uh-huh. the whole idea of, you know, you're this, but. Oh, perfect. 
And so, That's a you good know, one. right? <laughs> and so that, you know, everything that came before the but is completely negated Correct. by the but. Uh-huh. And so to, to go through that and you have to translate, right. you know, so much. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, then of course you go through your own things and at the core, what I have figured out, this is it. This is my one thing. (laughs) We're just like human. Yeah. And it's like really a cluster. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, of, of experiences and of, you know, things that happen to us or things that we do or, you know, choices that we make. And, you know, I, I always think in metaphors and analogies and to me, it's like you're opening the family jewelry box and all of those thin chains that are tied together, right? (laughs) And you're trying to like get at the core of that knot and you're trying to unthread them and follow each of the threads through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the greatest things I love when I'm doing what I do is someone goes, oh, that's why I do such and such. Oh, like they, they pulled that that thread out Mm -hmm. and they go, there it is. And say, okay, so now let's look at that chain and see all the other things that are related to that. And for some people, like you're, you're envisioning this knot of multiple, multiple, multiple chains. Ultimately, when you really distill it down, there's like two or three messages that just get repeated in different ways throughout a person's life. Take just slightly different forms and different shades, but it's almost always just like a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. So it's the same chain. It's just knotted in a couple spots. There you go. Yes. Damn. Exactly. Chains. Damn. Chains, okay. <laughs> we're going to take another quick break. And then when we come back, we are going to talk more with Dr. Mel. Want to network with our members in person? Join our weekly Plateau Partners meeting Fridays at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You'll have a chance to meet and network with our members, hear about their businesses, learn more about our featured speakers, and see how a BNI meeting works. Our meetings are uniquely different because while we take our business seriously, we definitely don't take ourselves seriously. Text BNIPPINFO to 55678 or go to BNINW.com and search for Plateau Partners. Welcome back to Plateau Partners Pulse, a podcast about our Plateau Partners members, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Maria Elena. How do you encourage a kid to to go in and talk to someone? Yeah. Without them thinking or perceiving that you're saying, you're crazy. Yeah. So are you, are you asking me, like, how you bring well, that to a kid? Yeah, like- I'm, what I'm wondering is, you know, so if you're not sure with what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe you're feeling um, you've gone through some life event that has left you rattled yourself. Or maybe you have a significant other or a kid mm-hmm. that you're just feeling like there's just something off. Right. So with yourself, right. I think you have to like get over yourself and get help. And that's a hard thing, yeah, right? Very I mean, hard. to ask for help, that's very a huge thing. Yeah. So, you know, maybe if you can speak to that. But then additionally, if you're trying to help your loved one mm-hmm. find help, you know, what's the best way to approach that? 
Yeah. What I'll often say, because, you know, and, and this is a BNI podcast, so we're always looking for referrals, right? And it's very hard to refer a psychologist because you're basically saying there's something wrong with you. You're not right in the head and you need, and of course, you know, you can call me shrink all day long, but that's what people think. I mean, they don't know what, and you're going in to see a stranger most of the time. So again, you know, the, yay B and I, you're getting it from someone you like, know, and trust this referral. So they maybe aren't that crazy or weird right. um, as a psychologist. But the lead in I often recommend is if you're talking to a friend or your spouse or whatever, and they're talking, they're complaining or they're sad or they're like, I don't know why I keep, I can't get these thoughts out of my head, blah, blah, blah. Um, the line is, have you ever thought of talking to somebody about that? And usually that that's pretty good code for therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to get back, well, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you might, but, right. but you know, it's, have you ever thought of talking to somebody about that? And it's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, like, you know, a therapist or something. I think calling it also a therapist is better than a psychologist or, you know, a clinician or something right. like that. You know, a therapist feels a little bit softer. Um, and, you know, I will say too, and this is not universally the truth, but certain age groups as in the Gen Z's and the millennials have very little trouble going to therapists. They've often, I mean, okay. So back up in my experience, they have already probably been to one or two because their parents were aware and saw that, you know, they were being bullied. So, oh my gosh, you know, seven-year-old Jimmy is getting bullied. Let's see him, have him see a therapist. Yeah. So it's not necessarily unknown to them, but they're much more open and able to like be open mm-hmm. in that kind of situation. I have found, again, in my experience, and sometimes <laughs> for some people, particularly like teenage girls, it's sort of a status symbol, which is kind of something about the times we live in, I suppose. But, you know, I have to go see my therapist. Oh my God. I have to stop at Starbucks first. Oh my God. <laughs> I need coffee for my therapy appointment. <sighs> yes. So I mean, yeah, I've had, actually, I've had kids <laughs> bring me a drink. So like from Starbucks. So like they'll get their coffee and they'll bring me, I'm like, I hope you like lattes. And I'm like, I love lattes. Thank you. <laughs> Because we're not allowed to accept gifts as an ethical thing, but like under five bucks, it's okay. So I'm like, oh, tall latte. Thank you. Oh, noted. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. yes. Interesting. Yes. All right. So, and, you know, I find that um, I have said to my kids or to my friends when they've sought advice on, you know, what do I do with my kids? I'm like, acknowledge that you don't know. Sure. I mean, you know, I I can empathize and say, I know exactly what you're going through. That is not going to be any solace for you right now. Right. And Well, because you probably don't either. Well. I mean, to a certain degree, maybe, but everyone's experience is unique. Yes. And so that's the another beauty part of going to a therapist, psychologist, whatever, um, clinical social worker even, is that their job is to be entirely objective. And so they're not, I mean, and again, I referred to this earlier, you're not supposed to project your own crap onto other people. That's exactly not what you're supposed to do. So, and you as the therapist have been, have done this hopefully for a while. So you've seen a lot of stuff. You've seen how things work. You've tried a couple of things and with a couple of different families or a couple of different kinds of kids. And you know, okay, this will really work with this family. This will really work with this family. And, you know, and some of it's still trial and error. And then you also have a base, hopefully of good research based, you know, clinical trial stuff that has been shown to work in the average 
family, the average teenager, the average, mm-hmm. you know, male, mm-hmm. whatever. So, you know, that's the the benefit of seeing the the clinical psychologist or the therapist is that you've got the objective and you've got the non-projecting and you've got the background of research and you've got the background of years of seeing what works with whom. So all of the things that I am not <laughs> as a mother noted. Okay. Um, and the last question that I can think that a lot of people might have is when you think of speaking with somebody, it's like, is it a one-off? Is it like in for a penny, in for a pound, like you're in for life? (laughs) You know, um, you know, I think that people don't get that. There, okay. So there are certain modalities of psychotherapy, particularly psychoanalysis, where you are in for years and years and years and years and years, two and three times a week kind of thing. I think that's bullshit and I don't think it works, but you know, whatever. Freud got a couple things right, but analysis was not one of them. Anyway, in my humble opinion. <laughs> um, so in for, in for a penny, in for a pound. I, and I can only speak for myself, but I think this is probably pretty true of most clinical psychologists. I have done both, both and I've seen people just once and all they needed to do was just vent Mm -hmm. and they figured some stuff out just by talking about it. And then I never see them again, which is fine. And then I have people that I've been seeing for years, years and years and years and years, once or twice a month or yeah, well, it's when it's years and years and years, we usually go to bi-weekly or once a month just to kind of check in and make sure everyone's okay. And then I'll see people for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then they go away and then they come back and then they go away and they come back. So it's all of the above. And it really just depends on what they're working on. Also, if you're like, let's say you're working on a phobia. I don't know what you would be working on a phobia for necessarily. Maybe public speaking. That's a really common one. Mm, sure. I can help you with that in a couple of months and you're done. Bye. Have a nice life. Right. You know, and I never have to see you again. But, you know, if you're working on the horrible, you know, assault and abuse and whatever, you know, it might take a little longer. Sure. Well, because you don't know where that is going to rear its ugly head, so to speak. Correct. And the triggers that are going to. And then there's everything in between. So. And that is a lot. <laughs> it is it so certainly much. Is. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I've talked about it. I've sat on a couch <sighs> or two. I think it's I think it's fascinating and I am so grateful for mental health professionals because it has been paramount in me becoming a functioning happy adult and I think of all of the things that I've ever worried about for our children my two biggest fears for them have always been addiction and mental health issues and, you know, I'm like, everything else, throw it at me and, you know, we'll figure it out. But the other two, you really need help. Yeah. Remember too, though, I, you said, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to mental health practitioners or whatever. And, you know, yay us. But what I keep, what I want to tell my clients too, is that, you know, I'm just not even the vessel. Like I give you the ideas. I give you the tools. I give you the tips. I help you see the way through that tangled thing, whatever. The client does all the work. You do all the work when you're, you know, sitting with me. I, you know, I'll help you find some stuff, but then I send you home. You got to sit with all that and figure out how to make that work in your own world and in your own life. And, you know, that's kind of, it's, it's kind of a nice way to, to, to wrap it up too, because I, like I said, I really have one of the greatest jobs in the world, which sounds funny to say when I was saying that earlier, but it's because I see every day 
extremely brave, courageous people who do really hard things. I mean, just walking into a clinician's office is hard, right? But they do that because they want to make their lives better. They want to make their children's lives better, their spouse's life better, or whoever's life. I mean, they want to do something good. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It's really, really hard because life is hard. It's wonderful and it's full of great, beautiful things. And it's also really, really, really hard. (laughs) Wow. And you're right. It is very hard. But to have somebody that is there holding up a mirror without judgment makes it easier to look at yourself in the mirror. There you go. So... For that, I thank you. All right. And thank you for joining me (laughs) on our podcast. My pleasure. I always love speaking with you, whether I'm sitting on your couch or whether I'm sitting across (laughs) the table from you. You know, my fellow fellow New Yorker that knows what a fudgy the whale ice cream cake is. (laughs) These are the important things, people. It's the small connections. (laughs) So thank you, Dr. Mel. And if people do want to get in touch with you, and they want to contact you and maybe get some help. Yeah, yeah. How do they find you? Best way, well, I have a website, um, and it's dr, so Dr. M-E-L-A-R-A.com. So I have that. And then my email is basically the same, D-R-M-E-L-A-R-A at gmail.com. I would say, it sounds funny, don't call me, (laughs) because if I'm in session, I'm not going to answer the phone. And I try really hard to keep boundaries between work and home. And so I try not to do work when I'm home. So I wouldn't return your phone call. So it's just better to email me. I mean, if you can text me, that might work. And my phone number is on my website. So there you go. You heard it here first. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. And I'm looking forward to our next episode with another one of our partners. Who's it going to be? All right. Thanks for listening.